You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. The Iron Horse of Sports Talk Radio. We did a show yesterday. Today we do another show. Two in a row. How do I do it? It's incredible. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM. ESPN New York, your home, of course, as you probably have heard by now, your home to Michael K. Show trivia champion, Gordon Damer, as well as a Stump Rothenberg living legend, Gordon Damer. Yes, now accurate up to 87% efficiency. Incredible. That number never changes, mainly because I haven't had another chance to... Uh, take part in Stump Rothenberg. But, you know, every once in a while, sports shows have those who will win the next championship conversation in New York, right? It's been so long since anybody really has really been in contention outside of the Yankees. I think the Giants are the last team to uh, actually win a title here. But, you know, that conversation always kind of pops up every once in a while. I don't know if we've ever had it because I'd always go Yankees, right? It would be like the old uh, Chris Farley Bears uh, skit on Saturday Night Live. Who wins, God or the Bears? Uh, I would go with the Yankees. They, they seem like the, the team that is at least uh, in contention every single year. And if you want to win a title, being in contention every single year, chances are you have a better shot than teams that aren't in contention every single year. But, you know, that conversation pops up on the shows every once in a while. Is it the Yankees? Is it the football teams? If the Nets won, would that even count? Well, whenever people have that conversation, I, I don't know. Have they ever included the New York Islanders in that conversation? Did the Islanders ever come up? Because my Islanders, yes, my Islanders probably should, right? Let's lead off the show with some Islanders talk. I'm going to talk Nets. I'm going to talk Islanders today. This is, I'm just playing all the hits, all the hits that you can play. Uh, they beat the Flyers last night 4-0 to take game one of the uh, that second-round playoff series. Second straight shutout. Come out strong in the first, broke through in the second, put it away in the third. My Islanders. Another shutout. Anders Lee, Andy Green, Matt Barzal. All my guys. You know, three in the third, including an empty netter. You know, an empty netter. That would absolutely be against the unwritten rules of baseball, wouldn't it? Like empty net goals. If that happened in Major League Baseball, oh, the managers would be furious. Pitchers would be furious. We're pulling our goal. T- How dare you try to score a goal without a, a goalie in net? If there was ever anything against the unwritten rules, it would be that. But uh, congratulations to the Islanders. Not just winning, dominating, defense, stifling have now allowed uh, six five-on-five goals in their 10 playoff games in this town. And my Islanders, look, they're never going to be number one. They're never going to be a team that week in, week out, day in, day out, is going to lead conversation on sports talk shows because they, while they're one of the New York teams, they're a fringe team, right? They're, they're, they're the second team in the fourth sport. But unlike some other teams, they actually have a history. They actually have a a tradition. They actually have a fan base. Now, it's not as big as other fan bases for sure, but good for those guys, and hopefully for the Islander fans out there, they keep it up and keep rolling and and finish off the Flyers to uh, lead to uh, more misery in uh, Philly. Anytime you can have some misery in Philly, it's always always fun. Um, But the second story kind of ties into that. 
And it was something that we touched on yesterday. And we'll get to the poll question. We'll get to all that type of stuff in a little bit. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. And I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. So you can find me there. Uh, But the Sixers did what everyone knew that they were going to do yesterday by firing Brett Brown as their head coach. And, you know, that has led to, which I kind of predicted yesterday, right, that there was going to be a lot of talk yesterday about the process. The the process the Sixers went through, the Sam Hinkie-driven regime that uh, decided to tear down the team, tanked, probably in a more public way. There was probably more public conversation about the way the Sixers went about their tank than probably, I would guess, probably any other team. There's been plenty of teams that have tanked, and there will continue to be teams that tank. Why? Because the the value of tearing your team down in that way, there is actual value in doing that. If there was not val if there was not a reward at the end of the day for most teams, if you do things correctly, if you make the right moves, well then teams wouldn't do that. But I would think that the Sixers, there was probably more conversation about the way they tanked than probably any team in history. Now, a lot of that I think has to just do with the media landscape of when they did it, right? They did it starting in, what was it, 2013, 2012, 2013, somewhere around there. And there's been, you know, ESPN is bigger than ever. Sports talk radio is bigger than ever. So as I said yesterday, there was going to be lots of talk about the process. And among those talking about it yesterday, I think the one that got the most traction, Mike Greenberg. Greeny heard right here on 98.7 FM ESPN starting at 1 o'clock. And among the things that Mike had to say yesterday was this. Good riddance to the process. And here's what I will tell you about the process, which I believe came to an end yesterday. Because whatever it is that happens from this point forward, that's gone as far as it's going to go. They're not going any further than that. And here is what I can tell you. The process was the first and most famous example of organized tanking in sports. And as a consequence, it's a disgrace. Tanking is the worst thing in sports, the worst. Okay, so uh, on the, uh, th- I think that was from the radio show. On the TV show, he called it a disaster. Not just a failure, a disaster. And that the Sixers, as an organization, humiliated themselves. And for what? And, you know, part of the reason he pointed out among other things, you know, everybody that has been against the process or against um, all these, uh, the tanking in sports. Part of the reason was, well, that they really tanked. They went full out on their tank. They were 47 and 199. They lost 25 consecutive games twice. Only three teams have ever lost 25 consecutive uh, games, and the Sixers did it twice. So the fact that they tanked as hard as they did is part of why it was such a... Well, that's the point. Would you have been happier if they tanked less effectively? I mean, what would the point... If they would have won 10 more games... Well, you know what, guys? This is looking really bad. No. They went into it knowing it was going to be very ugly. And that's kind of the part of what trust the process meant. Trust the process essentially made... Yeah, look, things look bad right now. But there is a plan in place to make it better. And this is all part of that plan. That's what trust the process came to mean. 
But, you know, people will point out, people that are criticizing the Sixers will point out, you know what, they screwed things up in the draft, even despite all those draft picks, all those number one picks that they had, taking Okafor over Porzingis, Markel Fultz, after trading a couple of number ones, all these things. The problem with that has zero to do with the process. The process, I'm using the air quotes right now, was the time that Sam Hinkie ran the team. And I get it. We're not, this is not Philadelphia, so maybe, you know, you're not the biggest NBA fan in the world. But Sam Hinkie has not run the 76ers in four and a half years. That was the time if you wanted to criticize the process, by all means, you can criticize it. And I get it. You don't like tanking because it's an ugly process to go through. But tanking, looking to add assets, including ensuring as much as you can that your own draft picks are as valuable as they can be, to now criticize after the guy who did that is already off the radar and is not running any team seems to be a little uh, intellectually dishonest, right? Like, if you want to criticize him, you should have criticized him when he left because the process clearly worked. Sam Hankey took over a team that was, you know, okay. They were in the playoffs every once in a while, but they were never a real contender. They had not won 50 games in a season since Allen Iverson in the run to the finals. What was that, 2000? And even after getting rid of Sam Henke, even with all the mistakes made by Henke in the draft and mostly by the other two Bobos who ran the team from that point on, that's the real issue that you have. But even with all those mistakes, even with Hinky gone for basically five years now, they've won 50-plus games the last couple of years. Now, this year was different because they didn't play as many games, but they probably would have been right around there. And I get it. They lost in the first round of the playoffs this year. So, uh, you know, this is the low point for this regime over the last couple of years. But last year, they were one of the greatest shots of all time away from playing in the conference finals. Now, again, that wasn't the intent when they went through the process. But if you wanted to criticize the process and how tanking is terrible and what Sam Hickey did was a disgrace, you probably should have brought that up four years ago or five years, four and a half years ago. Because when Sam Hickey stepped down, I mean, he was fired essentially, the Sixers were probably one of the most coveted jobs in sports, never mind in the NBA. They had Embiid, who was clearly, you know, despite the health issues, clearly an all-star player. They still had assets and draft picks up the wazoo. They had cap space to spare. And they had some nice role players that, uh, that, that went along with that. So they had more than enough things, more than enough assets after Hinky went through the tough process of tearing the team down. 
So if you want to blame anybody, it's not the process. It's not Sam Hinkie. I think the blame really goes to Brian Colangelo and Elton Brand, who squandered all of those assets. That's the real focus if you wanted to. And to think now that tanking is over, I think that's really silly. Firing Sam Henke set the Sixers back a whole lot more than anything he did while on the job. And I would simply ask, especially in this town, first off, wouldn't the Knicks have been better off the moment Sam Henke got fired if they had hired him immediately, as soon as he was fired? How much further ahead would the Knicks be right now if they had hired Sam Hinkie rather than do all the nonsense things they've done over the last four and a half years? I'll tell you right now, wouldn't be any worse. (laughs) You might not notice the difference between the tanking and the current team. And I would ask Greeny, how's the Jets process gone the last 50 years? You know, there is no foolproof plan to build a team. But when you take a look at what the benefits are and what the things are you can actually control, the process actually worked. And to now use the Sixers' ouster yesterday as some sign that the process failed, I think is just being intellectually dishonest. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So coming up, the Yankees are back tonight. The face of New York sports is back tonight, too. Aaron Judge. Oh, thank God. We'll have more about my Islanders. The Nets coaching. Who should the Nets hire? That's been a hot topic here. And you know why? It's because a very interesting name has popped up as part of that that search. And it is the name Greg Popovich. Should the Nets be interested in Greg Popovich? Popovich, could he be the next guy to uh, take over the Nets, the star power of the Brooklyn Nets? So we'll get into that. Lots of stuff to do. And we have the poll question, which is uh, going up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. And it simply is. It's kind of one of these ones that's a little outside the box. It's a Tuesday. I'm still kind of in vacation mode, trying to detox after all the the things that are We uh, ingested over the uh, two weeks away. You have to pick one guy to run your team for five years. You can't fire him midstream. And that's really the part of the process. The real, if you want to have a criticism of the process, is if you're going through a process, stick it to the end. And that's the real issue that the Sixers have. Uh, with Sam Hinkie, because I don't know what moves Sam Hinkie would have made if he, nobody knows, right? Only Sam Hinkie knows. But I know one thing, the people who followed Sam Hinkie, he couldn't have done much worse than those two. But the poll question is up on Twitter. It's going up momentarily. I'm still, uh, I'm still working on it. You have to pick one guy to run your team for five years. Can't change midstream. You can't fire him two years in. Which one is it? And, and this is just to kind of, in a way, prove that all the people yesterday, I don't remember what the final total was, but it was around 75% of people who said the process was a failure. I think the only grade, if you are grading it, the only fair grade you can give it is incomplete. I would say it was actually a success, but I think the only fair grade you can really give it at the end of the day is it was incomplete. 
But if you had to pick one guy to run your team for the next five years, which one is it? And our four candidates are A, Phil Jackson. B, Mike McCagden. C, Brody Van Wagenen. Or D, Sam Hinkie. Now, I get it. We're going, we're going cross sports here. But, you know, look, uh, I think you can handle it. I've heard people say that a lot. The, the, the false positives were the best thing that could happen to the NFL. Uh, over the weekend wouldn't a cure be i mean if we're just throwing out things that would be the best possible situation i would think a cure would be that that but what do i know hey it's the gordon damer show it is 98.7 fm espn new york we take you up until six o'clock at uh, of course uh, at that time it is the uh, new morning show Keyshawn johnson jay will and zubin they come your way uh, starting at six but, uh, you know, before we get into the poll question, and it's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, because it's, it's self-explanatory, people. It, it, there, there's only one. Co- Today should have been a poll question where I just put up one. I don't even know if you can do it. I think you have to have two options. But maybe both options were the same one. And it is, if you had to pick one guy to run your team for five years, which one is it? And I gave you three New York guys. And I gave you Sam Hinkie just to prove that yesterday all the people who were talking about what a failure the process was, they were all hypocrites. Because when you've sat in this town with all the failures running teams, either in the past or currently, you would jump at the chance to have someone like Sam Hinkie run your team. Simply because of all the options, Phil Jackson, Mike McCagden, Brody Van Wagen, and Sam Hinkie, the only one that you could conceivably answer is Hinky because he's the only one who actually had a plan. I mean, the other ones might have had plans. I don't know. They weren't very good plans. Sam Hinky's plan went according to plan. Unfortunately, it was so successful that the team was not successful that the team felt like, I, I guess, partly in pressure from the league, that they had to move on because it was such, there was such an outcry from people who were not invested in the team. Like, it's like when the Islanders, you know, I, I see people talking about, uh, well, the Islanders' style is kind of like the devil's style back in the day. The, you know, it's, 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 it's not the most exciting style. If you're a fan of the team, what do you care? And for all the criticism of Sam Hinkie and the process, I didn't hear a whole lot of that coming from Sixer fans. And that's the only people that the Sixers should have been really uh, concerned with, not outside media people saying, well, this is bad for the league and this is an embarrassment and this thing and that thing because they're losing all these games intentionally. Again, trust the process was, yes, we realize it looks bad now. That's part of the plan, and the plan will turn around at some point. All right, so that's the poll question. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. But before we get into more sports stuff, I want to say one thing. To all of you, if you're listening to me, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, know this. I love you. There is a special bond. You know, anyone can listen to sports talk radio during drive time, right? That's that's easy, right? Middle of the day, middle of the morning. That's the e- you make the conscious decision to listen to this little tiny show. I'm not, I don't have any star power. I'm not some former athlete. I'm not some big name. I got this one hour carved out, and you make the conscious decision to listen. I don't know. Maybe it's not, maybe the station was just on and you just realized it now. Whatever. 
you listen at this time, you listen to the podcast, which will be out later this morning. So no, if you make that commitment to me, that in my mind, whoever you are, if you agree with me, you disagree with me, I love you. And through this love, I bring up this point. For everyone who has reached out to me on Twitter, people who call 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. For the sleepy ones out there that can't figure out the ESPN is 376. I realize that in a perfect world, for people who like me, people who are listening, you would like me to be on for more than an hour. I hear that quite a bit. When is ESPN going to give you more than an hour? Why don't you have more than an hour? You need to get a better time slot. As if this is something that is left up to me. As if, as if I'm sitting around and we're drawing straws for time slots and I said, you know what? Give me 5 a.m. Give me the one hour at 5. Now look, I love having any time. <laughs> at this point, you know, I'm very thankful for any opportunities I get. But for all of you that have brought that up to me and reached out, you deserve more than an hour. When is it? It's generally pointed out. When is ESPN going to give you more time? You're pointing your opinions in the wrong direction. I don't make the schedule. This is not a bakery where you walk in. Remember, you walked into the bakery back in the day. I don't know. Do they still have where you walked in and you pulled the number from that 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 thing. I don't even know what you call it. Just pull the number. Oh, I'm 39. Oh, they're serving number 17. Well, it's going to be a long way to the bakery. That's not how they make the schedule. So uh, for all of you that want me to get more time, I would simply say you're asking the wrong person. It's not, uh, I, I am not the person who makes schedules and these type of things. So I would say respectfully, graciously, I thank you for, for feeling that way. But um, pointing it out to me, <laughs> Is kind of pointless, but it's very kind. Very kind. I appreciate it. All right. Um, the Nets. From all the big stories today, we did. I Has there ever been a day, Brian, where we've done Islanders, Nets, and uh, my schedule in the same day? I don't believe so. Uh, I believe this is the first time you have done this since I took over Keith. Okay, so I how long ago was that? Two years ago? Five years ago? I don't. Even, I have no. There's no. I have no. I'm like that guy in the movie Memento. If it didn't happen like, in the last thirty seconds, I don't remember. I believe it's like a year and a half. Okay. So yeah, I, I've never seen, never okay. heard you talk about the Nets and Islanders and the listeners at the same time. So this Look is at very. That. This is I, very. I'm different branching to me. out. I'm. I'm. I'm this I'm is what they call right playing because the I'm a little people. shocked right now. Like I, right. I, I don't know what to say. Like I'm. Right. I'm confused. Well, look, I try to take a look at the show each day, at, almost in an analytical way, in what do most people, what are most people interested in? So there, it's a very rare time where that would be Islanders and Nets. Yeah, <laughs> just, and you I mean, that's just not Islanders. a smart approach. And you started with Islanders. That's, right. That's I the mentioned them thing. right off the top. My yeah. Islanders, because they're right. my team. Yeah, I love course. the Islanders. I grew up on Long Island, was there for 30 years. That's my team. Uh, in terms of a hockey team. If I had a team, it's not, you know, it's not the Rangers. It's not uh, some other team, some team from, you know, just has a cool jersey. But, you know, every once in a while, you have to go with things that pop up like this. So the Nets, the Islanders, they're not going to get the main billing most days. But today is a good day for it because the Islanders' success and the Nets' coaching search. 
And the reason why the Nets coaching search is, is exciting or interesting is because of one single name that popped up. If this name didn't pop up, I would not be talking about the Nets coaching search if it was simply, you know, Ty Lu, Mark Jackson, and uh, I don't know who else, uh, Jacques Vaughn. All right? I just wouldn't be doing it. But every once in a while, you see headlines that, you know, they get you interested in a story that you wouldn't ordinarily be interested in. And there's every once in a while, you'll see headlines that make you laugh. I think there was one in the post, was it last week, about how the Knicks really want Donovan Mitchell. But there could be this this conflict with RJ. And I'm thinking to myself, RJ who? RJ Barrett? You're worried about RJ Barrett if you can as if you could just go and pluck Donovan Mitchell out of the sky. It's not like uh Phil Jackson or Brody Van Wagenen or Mike McCagnan is running um the other teams around the NBA that you can just go pluck other superstars like Donovan Mitchell. So um there was that headline, and it made me laugh because, yeah, every team would want Donovan Mitchell, wouldn't they? I mean, especially the Knicks. Any superstar that they could get, they would probably like. And it's not really a question of a conflict with anybody on the current roster. Not really, if you could get Donovan Mitchell. So there were plenty of reports that the Nets have interest in Greg Popovich, that they are, according to the headline, going to seriously explore Greg Popovich as a potential head coach, as opposed, I don't know what, humorously explore. They're going to explore Greg Popovich through whoopee cushions and hand buzzers. I don't know. But it's not whether or not, I don't know that this needs to be pointed out, that the Nets have interest in Greg Popovich, much like the Knicks having interest in Donovan Mitchell. Of course. Of co- why? <laughs> How would you not? Especially with the more so with Greg Popovich because his track record is so much more established than Donovan Mitchell. It's not whether or not the Nets have any interest in Greg Popovich. It's whether he has any interest in the Nets. Now, he's, I think he's 70 years old. He's been in San Antonio for, what, 25 years? Maybe because of the rebuilding with San Antonio, he wants a new challenge. That's possible, I guess. I would not think that Greg Popovich is going to be all that interested in the Nets, despite the, the, the roster that they have in place. Maybe. And it's certainly worth exploring if there is even the slightest crack of light at the doorway. But the larger question of who the Nets should hire is is pretty simple. It's whoever Kevin Durant wants. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are the Nets for the next couple of years, whether you, for better or for worse, if they get over the injuries that they've had, if they don't get over the injuries. When you go down that road, and plenty of teams would go down that road. The Knicks certainly wanted to go down that road. And the road told them, no, you may not come down this road. So when you turn your team over to the superstars, especially in the NBA, for better or worse, it's about having those guys on board. So whether it's Greg Popovich, whether it's Ty Lue, whether it's Mark Jackson, whoever it is, the Nets should hire whoever Kevin Durant wants because he is the guy running that team, better or worse. To Green, straight off of the blue line, fires, he scores! Andy Green blasts it home from the blue line, and his first goal of the playoffs makes it 1-0 New York! Oh, and they were rolling from there. Chris King the call right here on 98.7 FM, ESPN New York, My Islanders. A nice, tidy little game one shutout win. 
Oh, so I mean, if the Islanders win, is it going to be a shutout, right? I mean, it's just the just the way things have been going. So they take a 1-0 series lead in their uh, set against the Flyers. Still, a lot of work to do. Don't want to get too carried away too early on. I always say that about my Islanders. You don't want to get too worked up too early. But what a sensational performance last night. And uh, things just keep cruising right along. I don't want to bring it up too much because I feel like I uh, might jinx my Islanders. But uh, your moment of inspiration for this Tuesday morning, it is the uh, Gordon Damer Show, home to, of course, Michael K. Show trivia champion Gordon Damer. Oh, boy. A little little slow. As well as Stump Rothenberg, living legend Gordon Damer. Oh, yes. What a sensational performance. All those weeks ago. But uh, finally... You know what we're going to get back tonight? We're going to get some baseball back tonight. Yankees are back. Mets are back. And Aaron Judge, face of New York sports, is finally back. So let's hear a little from Aaron Judge. Said that uh, yesterday he was asked about uh, his uh, stint on the IL, which I still call the DL. But he uh, said he didn't want to go on the injured list. I felt like I could have been back out there after a couple of days. That's why I wanted – that's why uh... – you know, also adamant about not going on the on the IL uh, to begin with, but um, you know, and even especially you know, getting a chance to see the Rays again. You know, our big opponent in the East. You know, that was my biggest concern too. Was trying to you know get a couple more at bats against their arms, and you know, they got a lot of good arms out there in the bullpen that they keep bringing up. So, really want to get a lot of good at bats against those guys, knowing we have to play them down the road. But um, yeah, I, I felt like I was ready a couple of days later. But you know, I guess anytime you get some rest, it, it helps out. All right, and so Aaron Judge was asked about um, thoughts about if the playoffs were to be at neutral sites, right? Like there's no fans in the stands. So do you think that a neutral site, especially with the fact that it seems like all these other sports leagues, coronavirus, look, it's still a concern, I'm sure, but it's not the primary conversation that you're having with each of these sports, right? The NBA and the NHL and their bubbles. Each, it seems like every week or so they're putting out new numbers of the number of tests that they've conducted, the fact that no new positives have popped up. So it's kind of, I, I'm not saying that it's not there on some level if you're coming up with a list of concerns, but it's not one, two, or three right now. And then you had the story from the, the NFL over the weekend, the whole fiasco about the false positives. But then yesterday, NFL released that from August 12th through the 20th, the league conducted over 58,000 COVID-19 tests. Now, this was not just players. I guess this was also personnel. Uh, There were six positives that were returned of the 58,000 or over 58,000, but zero were among the players. And the NFL has conducted over 100,000 tests now since camp began with a positivity rate that is a fraction of 1% and is going down. So that's fantastic news for the NFL. That's fantastic news mostly for me because I love football. You love football. So if you're wanting to see football this year, not that it guarantees the whole season's going to go, there's not going to be hitches along the way, but that's fantastic news. But what it really makes you wonder is, what the hell is baseball doing? Like, when the NBA or the NHL report these things, you're like, okay, that makes sense because it's a bubble, and if they were going to have any issues, it would probably have been when players first showed up. Now that they've kind of settled in to their environment in Florida or Toronto, or, you know, with the sports, okay, fine. 
but the NFL has way more people not in a bubble. Now, you can bring – I think that somebody – I'm trying to think of who it was that brought up the point that the – do you have me back, Brian? Okay. Um, that the uh, issue with um, the NFL is that, you know, guys with non-guaranteed contracts, they have to take the coronavirus much more seriously and that maybe, you know, down the road once the season actually begins, there might be a bit of a more lax attitude – but at least so far, given what the information that you have right in the moment, it seems like every sport has handled this far better than Major League Baseball. And it's not just handled it better. Again, baseball, the conversation, it's like every single day, if you're a baseball fan, you're waking up. And look, it's more present present now because the Mets thing and the Yankees and Mets games getting wiped out from the weekend and you take a look at what their schedules are from this point forward now it wasn't like they had a whole lot of off days to begin with but the Mets 34 games I think it is in 34 days the Yankees have 35 games in 34 days and it's because the first conversation when it comes to Major League Baseball is every single day about the virus and new infections and teams getting shut down and not having a lot of time to 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 make up games that you're you're playing all these double headers it just seems like it's clear more clear now than ever that baseball has gotten it completely wrong so this is a long way to go <laughs> to get to the Aaron Judge cut about how whether or not they should be playing in a bubble or neutral site games when the playoffs get along, and uh, Aaron Judge is not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of it, yeah. to be honest. Uh, it kind of takes away, I feel like, this whole process takes away from the point of winning. You know, uh, that's why we, you know, bust our butt all season to have a good record is to get home field advantage and, you know, to play in our home park and play in front of our home fans. And if you're telling me that, you know, you can win all these games and, you know, get the first seed or get the second seed, get a top seed or whatever, but now – you're going to be playing at a neutral site, you know, playing in Dallas, playing in L.A., playing somewhere else. You know, it's not much of an advantage, you know what I'm saying? So it's um, – and I'm not a fan of it. You know, I was hoping we can figure out a way to not do the do the bubbles in the different regions or whatever they got planned, you know, and just go back to what we've been doing all year. But um, we'll see, you know, bigger heads above me are making those decisions. So, Yeah, and at this point, those heads should be figuring out a way – I think it's been pretty much proven at this point. The way that baseball has handled it has been the worst of the four sports. And if they do want to get to the, hopefully they get to the playoffs first, but if they want to be able to carry out the playoffs without any more hitches in the road or any more teams dropping out for long stretches of times because of positive tests, they should be doing everything they can right now to be coming up with a bubble scenario for the playoffs. They were back again, the Iron Horse of New York Sports Radio. I did a show yesterday, and then today, Tuesday, did another one. It's amazing. Aren't I amazing? Uh, the poll question, in case you're just getting up, just getting rolling on this Tuesday morning, we went a little outside the box today, and I actually have uh, an idea for something that people have brought up. But first, the poll question for today is really, in a way, to highlight the hypocrisy the outright hypocrisy of the voters at the poll question from yesterday. And I'm assuming there's a good crossover from one day to the next. I don't know that for sure. But the poll question for today is if you had a sports team to run, could be any sport, it's kind of outside the box, as I said, and you had to pick one guy 
to run your team for five years, which guy would it be? And here are your options. Phil Jackson, after his stellar time with the Knicks. Mike McCagnan, his great run with the New York Jets. Brody Van Wagenen, current GM of the the New York Mets. And you know what? I kind of forgot that the trade deadline was coming up. But then I realized it yesterday because you got the line from Brody about how the Mets injured players, the current injured players coming back, that's going to be like making additions at the trade. I mean, boy, you could sponsor that line every single year. That could be sponsored by Models or uh, I don't know who else. Uh, Somebody's still in business, I guess. Um, And you could have a sponsorship year in and year out because I feel like every GM of the Mets for the last 15 years at least, when did the the whole uh, Madoff thing go down? Ever since then, I feel like every time that the trade deadline is coming up, that the Mets, whoever's running the Mets, will throw out the line, well, you know what, our injured players coming back, that's going to be like making additions at the trade dip. No, it's not. That's not the same thing. So Brody Van Wagenen, your third option. And then finally, option number four is Sam Henke. Sam Henke, former GM of the 76ers. And the reason why I threw Sam Hinkie in there yes, uh, today is because yesterday we had the poll question about whether or not the process was a failure. And uh, the total was almost 77% of people said, yes, it was a failure. And one of the people bringing this up as we open the show with today, Mike Greenberg, you can hear him right here on 98.7 FM ESPN New York, brought up yesterday that he was happy to see that now with the Sixers out of the playoffs, that this is the end for him, I guess, of the process, right? Lots of questions about the 76ers moving forward. Already Brett Brown, their head coach, has been fired. And now the question is, how do they move forward in building the team? Do they keep Simmons and Embiid together? Do they move one of them? Which one is it? And Mike on his show yesterday on TV, as well as on the radio, as I said, right here, 98.7 FM ESPN New York, called the process, which the Sixers went through, right, with Sam Henke, a disaster. Not just a failure, a disaster that they humiliated themselves and for what, right, that they tanked so badly. They won fewer than 50 games and lost almost 200, that they lost uh, 25 consecutive games, not once but twice. And the problem with this is the process. I'm using the air quotes once again, as I did earlier in the show. That the time Sam Henke ran the team, tearing the team down, tanking, looking to add assets and ensuring that your own assets, your own draft picks are as valuable as they can be, that that was not just a failure, it was a disaster. And I would just simply say that if that was the point, if that is how you feel, which many of you people said yesterday was, I would simply say that why didn't you bring this up four years ago when Sam Henke got fired from the team? Because when he got fired from the team, stepped down, but really was fired, that's when the process ended. You can't, as I said yesterday, have some gourmet chef cooking a meal, seven-course meal, and then midway through, take that guy out and stick some bobo in there like me, who doesn't know anything about cooking, and say that it's still the same process that, that it was. Again, Sam Henke was fired four and a half years ago, and Sam Henke was the process. Those two terms are synonymous. Sam Henke and trust the process. That's what it was about. 
And I would simply say the reason why people didn't bring that up four and a half years ago about how the process was such a failure was because when he was fired, the Sixers were probably the most coveted job in the NBA. They certainly had more than enough assets at their disposal. They already had Embiid. They had draft picks that you could uh, dream about. Cap space to spare. Some nice role players. Now, I get it. They decided to change the process mid-process. That was a mistake. And I get it that the, that the plan that Sam Henke put in place that he did not get to carry out was not foolproof. And I would simply say, what's the foolproof plan? I would love to see the foolproof plan. That's the one I would love to go with. But unfortunately, there is no foolproof plan. And I would simply say that the Sixers, even now, even with all the mistakes of Brian Colangelo and Elton Brand, all the squandering of all those assets that Sam Henke took years to build up, even now, their future is still far brighter than it was when Sam Henke took over and tanked year in and year out to build up all those draft assets. Again, firing Sam Henke set the 76ers back a whole lot more than anything he did while he was on the job. And I would simply ask you, and that's kind of the poll question for today, which is up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, is if you had, you know, we watched some of these teams, you might be a fan of the Knicks or the Jets or, or the Mets, if you had the chance to have someone who actually had a plan, didn't just talk a good game, but actually had a plan and was able to carry out that plan. Wouldn't you much rather have that guy than the other three options? After watching the Knicks for the last 10 years, last 15 years, wouldn't they have been far better off with someone like Sam Henke than the people they've had running the team? I don't think that that's even in debate. Certainly Mike McCagnan, who I think is probably the worst one on the list in terms of track record, I mean, his tenure with the Jets was again a disaster. Brody Van Wagenen, same thing so far, and it looks like that time might be running out. So I would simply say, A, firing Sam Henke set the Sixers back a whole lot more than anything he did on the job. And for, for Greeny, who's the, the big Jet fan, and I think he's a Nick fan too, wouldn't the Knicks have been far better off if the minute Sam Henke got fired by the Sixers, the Knicks hired him? And I would also ask, How's the Jets process gone the last 50 years? 50 years and counting. All right, let's get some phone calls in before the show's over. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. It's been a while, but Omar is in Brooklyn. Omar, my friend. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm wonderful. Always good to hear your smiling voice. Yeah, let, let, let me tell you. The, the process, what you want, what is the full-time process plan? Oklahoma mm. Thunder, Utah Jets, supposed to be lottery picks, but they traded their... Players that oh, talks too much, or oh, they are superstar, so called superstar, trade their players, Paul George, oh, the playoff piece and stuff like that, and go, and they are in, still in the playoff front, and three one, everybody says, okay, ten one, Oklahoma Thunder still have all the cap room, still have all the. Uh, okay, uh, what, what are they going to do with that cap room? Is anybody going room. to Oklahoma City? Anybody's going to Oklahoma City? If the Knicks, if you don't tank, the bottom line is. 
tanking and getting away players picks and give away players that uh, wants to play here doesn't make any sense. The tank process is not a process. The process is you believe in every player that plays every day and go and try to get a talent and don't tank. Tanking is full of garbage. It doesn't right. work out. Well, it wasn't full of garbage for the Astros. It wasn't, and, and even now, Omar, we're going to run out of time. Um, that the, for the Sixers, their future, even now, even after all the mistakes, even the disappointment of this year and getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, their future right at this moment is still far brighter than it was when Sam Hinkie took over. Before they took over, they had not had a 50-win season since back when Iverson took them to the finals. They were this middling kind of playoff team that wasn't really going in. They were in the playoffs, but they weren't a threat to anyone. Now, I'm not saying that they're a threat to anyone. they got a lot of work to do, and they got to find someone to actually put a plan in place and carry it out. But their future is far brighter right now than it was before Sam, Sam Henke got there. Please vote on the poll question. The podcast will be out later this morning on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. We'll see you tomorrow at 5, 98.7 FM. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.